Well, welcome again, church family. My name is David Callstrom, the lead pastor here at Current. Happy Palm Sunday to you. Palm Sunday is a day in which we commemorate when Jesus rode in on a donkey, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords riding not in on a steed, but on a donkey, and not toward a palace, but toward a cross. This approachable king, this accessible king to anyone and everyone who would come to him, he would receive. And I've been really excited about getting into today's message with you today, as I've been thinking about this for a few weeks now, because here's the thought behind what we're going to be considering today. It is really easy for us to come to God with a what's-in-it-for-me mindset. Whether we're approaching God for the first time or whether we, are, we have been His followers for years and years, it's really easy to come to God, to come to Jesus with a help me with this or a provide for me in that or even a this is what I am doing for you type mindset. Um, but if we relate to God uh, with a what's in it for me mindset or here's what I've done for you basis, oh friends, we're missing out on what it's all about the most beautiful and wonderful thing of what this is all about. Because the gospel is, through Jesus Christ, God has made it possible for for us to be in personal relationship with Him. For us to have a personal relationship with Him. Which means it's not a one-way street, all that He can do for us. No, it's it's two-way. But all too often, and, and this is true for me, what we can do is make the relationship with Him about us. Well, today I want to invite us into making the relationship more about Him. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. I'm not going to read all the text today as I normally do. We're just going to kind of hit it as as we go. But if you want to have it in front of you so you can follow along, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 22. Here's the scene. After riding into town on a donkey, Jesus later had His disciples prepare a place for them to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Passover. Now, I love Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting of the Last Supper that they had. Here, I want to show you what that would look like in today's coronavirus isolation. Uh, You can see that there's a little uh, bottle there next to uh, Jesus' left hand. That's a bottle of Purell. And of course, this is all a Zoom call. Uh, What I love about this, this depiction here is you can really see that the disciples had a lot going on in their hearts and minds. Um, it really captures how the how incredibly chaotic the meal was, relationally speaking. Some of the disciples were arguing who was the greatest. Uh, Peter was declaring his loyalty to Jesus, but it was falling flat because he would later deny him. And then Judas was getting ready to leave the meal altogether and go out and betray Jesus. The disciples were just celebrating this meal like any other holiday celebration, but Jesus knew that this was his last supper, that this was the last supper before, before being crucified the next day. And so a lot was weighing on his heart as he got ready not just to die, but to take upon himself the sins of the world and to lay down his life as the true Passover sacrificial lamb. And here's what I want us to notice in today's text. Jesus' great desire in the midst of all of this. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. It says this, When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
Have you ever been asked the classic icebreaker question, uh, if you were given one last meal, uh, what would you eat? I always have a hard time answering that question because I have too many last meal options that I'd want to go for, um, whether it's a really good pizza from a New York place I like or a San Francisco Mission District burrito or a dim sum place. I, you know, I, There's a lot of wonderful food that I'd, I'd really be thinking about. But what's interesting about this text is while Jesus does care about the food, uh, he cares about it in the sense of, of, of its symbolic meaning. So he, he cares about the bread because the bread is meant to represent his body that's about to be broken for all his followers that put their faith in him. And then the cup of wine represented represents the, his bloodshed for us. So the, 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 the food mattered in that sense. But really in this text, what we're seeing is that it was not about what he was going to eat that mattered so much, but with whom he was eating it with that mattered to him. In fact, in the original language, Jesus is literally saying here, I have desired the desire of the eating this meal with you guys before I suffer. Here's the big thought today. It mattered to Jesus that he had companions with him in his suffering. It mattered to Jesus that he had companions with him in his suffering. And we see this in other places in, in, in surrounding this story. So, for instance, the day before Jesus rode in on the donkey, he was in a town called Bethany, where one of his followers, Mary, came into a crowded room where Jesus was, broke open a really expensive bottle of perfume, and started to wipe Jesus' feet with it using her hair. And the fragrance of the perfume just wafted through the whole place, and people started to murmur, saying things like, Jesus, how could you let her do this? I mean, she could have sold this ex very expensive perfume and, and given the money from selling it to the poor. How could you let her do this? And Jesus very famously said, uh, leave her alone. I mean, you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In other words, Jesus was making it very clearly known that it mattered to him this loving act that Mary was doing for him. And then in the garden, right after the Last Supper, Jesus went out to pray, and he and this was right before he'd be betrayed and arrested, and he and he pleaded with the disciples to stay with him in the midst of this suffering. Listen to Matthew's account. He said, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I mean, the crazy thought here is Jesus could have undoubtedly had angels come and be with him in this moment if he had so desired. He could have had God the Father as a companion, and, and indeed he was in the garden there to pray to, the God, to, to God his Father. But what, is he, what he's expressing in this, this moment is a deep longing and desire to have his disciples, to have his followers companion with him in this suffering. Is, is the force of this sinking in? Is the force of this registering? Because what we see here is Jesus doesn't just want to companion with his followers in their suffering, which he does. He cares so much about being with his followers as they face hardship, as they face suffering. But what we see here is Jesus doesn't just want to companion with his followers in suffering, but he wants, indeed, deeply desires for his followers to companion with him. What kind of God is this that we follow? I mean, to think of the humility of Jesus in these events. And what's crazy 
is Jesus didn't just want his followers to companion with, his, with him in his sufferings then, but he wants all his followers to companion with him in his sufferings today. Uh, listen to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul wrote, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Another translation says, I want to have fellowship with him in his sufferings. And so, down the ages, as a love response, followers of Jesus have practiced what's known as companioning with Jesus in his suffering. To sit in his suffering with him as Jesus faced what he faced as he went to the cross and to let that melt into our hearts. Because as we companion with Jesus, at least two things will happen. First, it will draw us to love him more. Uh, Cindy and I have had the, the privilege and opportunity to speak with a number of our frontline medical practitioners in the, the current family uh, the last few weeks. And I'll tell you, even though there's a lot out there in the news about what medical practitioners are facing here, here, and there, uh, to hear firsthand what, how they're feeling and what they in particular are facing, I, I have to say it just draws my heart to love them all the more and just, just to be so grateful for them and to have compassion for them and for their families. How could it not? But how much more ought we to companion with Jesus as he suffered for the world? Uh, do you have any practices that draw you into loving Jesus more? Maybe one such practice can be through prayer. Uh, this last week on Wednesday, we kicked off our praying through the Psalms, um, which really we have two goals behind it. One is to bring us into prayer. I mean, there's certainly any number of things that we, we can and ought to be praying for these days. But number two, we have the goal of it teaching us to pray. And so as we pray through God's Word, in particular the Psalms, which themselves are a collection of prayers, it helps us not just pray, just willy-nilly, whatever comes to our heart and mind. It helps us understand God's heart and mind and allows that to circulate in us and guide our prayers back to Him. And it's been really wonderful for me because it helps me get out of the rut of praying the same old things about the same old things. And instead, seeing God's heart and His mind, His love for the world and those around us. And what that does for me is it draws me to love Him more deeply and to love like Him more deeply. This Friday, just as a quick little thought here I want to let you know about, we're going to be doing a Good Friday prayer gathering. Good Friday is the day we remember Jesus' death and crucifixion on the cross. And so this Friday at noon, we are going to be uh, doing a Zoom prayer gathering. We hope you can take time out of your day just to commemorate that. If, it, if that works for your schedule, we'd love to join, have you join us as we, as we do a lot of what we're talking about actually today in this message. Uh, as we remember Jesus and what he did in prayer, being one, one such practice, it helps us love him more. Another practice that helps us, draws us into loving him more deeply, uh, can be through listening to worship music. Uh, what I love about worship music is so much of worship music is really about who he is and what he has done and his promises and his faithfulness. And so that just, when that's put together to, to tune, it, it helps orient our hearts to love Him more deeply because of who He is and what He's done. Or maybe you've experienced being drawn more deeply into loving God through serving. 
Uh, someone on our compassion, one of our compassion teams this week was talking about how going out and making deliveries to people who are who can't get out of their houses right now has really just been just felt really good to them. It just really meant and uplifted their spirits. Uh, that's good. That's wonderful. And in fact, biblically speaking, that's the way it's it 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 does play out because after all, we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of the one who serves. And so as we serve and as we love and care for others as he does, of course it will be meaningful to us and draw us more deeply into loving him because that's who he is and what he's about. Entering into suffering with Jesus as a friend wakes us up, softens our hearts, and brings Jesus alive in our innermost being. It deepens our love for Jesus. But that's not all. Not only does companioning with Jesus in his suffering draw us to love him more, it also draws us to love like him more. Companioning with Jesus in his suffering also expands our love for others. I mean, that's one of the other wonderful things that I've, I've gotten to experience through talking with some of our medical practitioners in the church is not only does it knit my heart with theirs, makes me love and be grateful for them all the more, but it also opens my eyes and heart to love others around me as I can. Because as I see them doing that, as I hear stories of them doing that sacrificially, it spurs within me to want to do the same. The truth is, we can't suffer for all the suffering of the world. But we can companion with Jesus in his suffering for the world. Which opens our hearts, opens our eyes to his heart and his eyes for the suffering of the world around us. So what does this look like? companioning with Jesus. You know what you could do is you can, you can use an experience of companioning with a friend or loved one in your life to animate you in all of this. Because here's the thing about companioning with people and their suffering. We realize that we can't fix their suffering. All we can do is remain in it with them so that they don't have to go it alone. Listen to one Christian author and counselor, uh, what Henry Nouwen had to say on this. He said, When I reflect on my own life, I realize that the moments of greatest comfort and consolation were moments when someone said, I cannot take your pain away. I cannot offer you a solution to your problem, but I can promise you that I won't leave you alone and will hold on to you for as long and as well as I can. There is much grief and pain in our lives, but what a blessing it is when we do not have to live our grief and pain alone. That is the gift of compassion. And friends, what's so mind-boggling of a thought that we have in front of us today is that Jesus wants us to companion with him in his suffering. Think of it this way. It's as if Jesus is saying to you, if I had one last meal on earth, I'd want to eat it with you. If I had to go into the garden to pray to my Father as I face the cross, I'd want to have you with me. Here's what Jesus said to his followers in John 15. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. It mattered to Jesus that he had companions in his suffering, and that still matters to him today. It draws us into loving him more, and it draws us into loving like him more. So here's what I'd suggest as we enter into Holy Week and uh, the, the Passion of Christ this week as a church that we commemorate Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection uh, from the dead, that we can have life in him. 
Uh, here's what I encourage you to do is to read through these stories and reflect on them. So for instance, we're here today in Luke chapter 22. That's in the, the Passion Week. What you can do is read through chapter 22 through 24 and just uh, uh, space it out and maybe look at a section, a couple sections uh, tomorrow and a couple other sections the next day and, and, and read through each of these stories, reflecting on them. You can even time them so it works out. For instance, that you're reading chapter 23 on Friday, the, the crucifixion of Jesus. That's, that's the Good Friday event that we remember. And then Luke 24, uh, uh, the, the day of Jesus' resurrection as it recorded in the, in the Gospel of Luke. You can time it so that it all follows uh, together. And as you read, here's what I'd encourage you to do, is to notice. Uh, notice how Jesus experienced His suffering. You could, of course, start with his external suffering, but then move towards his internal suffering. And notice his desires in the midst of his suffering and how some of his desires go unmet. And then notice how he stayed fully human in his suffering and didn't just move to coping mechanisms like so many of us do in our own suffering. And then notice what you feel as you reflect on his suffering for the world. And take those thoughts and those feelings back to Him in prayer and thanksgiving, in worship, letting who He is and what He did and how He did it just melt into your heart. And asking Him to give you and me the same compassion for the same broken world that He suffered for. Uh, one last thought, and this is a very important one. Uh, our text today also shows us that even in companioning with Jesus, we need his help. Uh, we, we can't even companion with Jesus all that well. We need his help in the midst of even doing this. Um, we see this in our text. I mean, Jesus greatly desired to share the Last Supper with his disciples. And what were they doing? They were fighting. They were bickering. One was getting ready to betray him. One was getting ready to deny him. And then in the garden, when he needed them in his great sorrow, they couldn't even stay awake to pray, but fell asleep. Which, get this, here was the one who was always there for everything and every moment when they face suffering, when they face hardship, and when he, in the one moment that he desired them to companion along with him, asked for it, they were unable to do it. Which is so real. Which is so us. But Jesus' response to us today, when we fail to companion with him as we ought to, when we fail to make the relationship more about him as we ought to, is the same response that he had for his disciples then. And that is one of grace and love. Um, so it's with that same heart and with that same help that we need, we want to enter into companioning with Jesus this week, as we commemorate Holy Week, but then even going forward as we think about our, per our personal relationship with Him in terms of who He is and what He has done. And so we enter into this personal relationship with Him. That, yeah, He does care about our needs and wants us to bring our needs to Him, but we also recognize and want to step into, in deeper and greater ways, this invitation to meet Him for who He is and what He has done for us to companion with him, even in his suffering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son to suffer for us and to suffer for the world, to take away our sin and all that separates us from being in relationship with you. Thank you that we can receive this by faith. 
And if there's anyone here today joining us online who has never received you and what you've done for them, I pray that they would do so even now for the promise is is to all who receive him, to all who believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. In fact, I want to pause for a moment and say, if that's you, if you've made this decision to want to follow him, please let us know. We'd love to come alongside you in your faith journey, uh, get you some resources if that would be helpful to you. But Father, we we pray for for all of us as your followers that, that as we enter into a time of commemorating Holy Week, remembering what you've done, how you suffered for us, uh, please help us in some way to fellowship with you in in your suffering, that we might more, uh, that we might love you more, and we, we might love like you more. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All right, let's pass things back over to Chris and Grace.